Good evening, welcome to the second Laser Pulse episode. These Pulse episodes are shorter, unedited shows. This one's only about 25 minutes long, and we cover stuff that wouldn't fit into a normal length episode. This week, we're posting a story from the recording for episode 4, which has already been posted, uh, that we had to cut for time, so we're releasing it here instead. The paper we're discussing here is 3D Printing of Freestanding Liquid Metal Microstructures, which was published in the journal Advanced Materials. And my co-hosts today are Alex, Emily, and Greg. This next paper is 3D printing of freestanding liquid metal microstructures. Mm. And this is liquid super metal. cool. Oh, this, will, this will come down to what we were talking about before with the robot swarms. Yeah. I've got something to say. <laughs> All right. So this is a paper published in the journal Advanced Materials uh, coming from North Carolina State University. And the first author on this is Colin Lead. Oh, I'm sorry, Colin Ladd. So what they did is they basically took a gallium indium eutectic metal and 3D printed tiny structures with it. So gallium and indium are both metals, and a eutectic basically means that it is at the it has the right mixture of gallium and indium. It has an instantaneous uh, transition melting point. Yeah, it has, has an instantaneous melting point. So if you take it up... Or discrete even, melting point, however you want to phrase it. I don't know. You, you, mean, you mean... Wait, wait, wait. Discrete melting point. So... All right, on a phase diagram? Meaning that there, the, there's no... Uh, the phase... There's no phase section. Phase transition there's section. No, it goes diagram. directly from... Liquid metal, to solid. Or from solid to liquid, or liquid to solid, without changing composition. It's... So gallium indium eutectic is where the composition is such that the entire material will phase transform together. Yes. From solid to liquid. From solid to solid liquid. To liquid. Okay. Yeah. Simultaneous. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the interesting, the cool thing about this is that this, because of this particular composition, the gallium indium mixture is liquid at room temperature. So it's a liquid metal. Mm-hmm. So it still has the properties of metals such so that it conducts electricity and things like that but it's also liquid so it flows and moves and it's bendable and stretchable and that's really cool yeah uh, it's important for things like flexible electronics where you need electrode contacts that are going to bend but not just break and stop conducting so something that's liquid will, will do that right um, this group was actually able to 3d print freestanding structures out of this liquid metal. So you would be able to... No, at room temperature. So the way that it works is they extrude it through a very small needle, uh, 
I think it was 100 micron. They, they did a bunch of different sizes. 100 micron was one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. And what happens is as the get the metal is squeezed out of the needle, it forms an oxide layer on the outside. So the strength, the oxide layer is a little bit stronger than the metal inside, and that stops it from flowing. Normally, if you had a liquid, it would just form into balls, but this oxide has enough tensile strength that it prevents it from, at certain diameters, prevents it from balling up wow. like a normal water ball. Right. Normally, because of surface tension, any liquid wants to take the shape of a ball. Right. So that's why when you have water in a glass, you see the little ball shapes at the edges, and water droplets are always ball-shaped. They're always round. Well, on particular surfaces. Not important <laughs> right now. Well, no, no, okay, no. That's the, the lowest energy is. I got, yeah, I got a right. circle. So what they yeah they they were able to this this has awesome applications for things like uh, flexible electronics or anything that you want to be able to three D print electronics because the way that they did this is you, when you're 3D printing this metal, you can actually make it stand straight up. So you can make your ele- electronic conductor yeah. stand straight up. They, they have pictures in the in the paper where they built little bridges out of this conductor. You can make little so, pillars. Wow. Yeah, so you can yeah. actually almost make three-dimensional circuits. Where they're micro-scale circuits. Micros, they're micron-scale 3D circuits. Where it's just, That's normal, but usually you have to put an insulating layer in between them. This way you won't. So you have one yeah. a wire across the, the... If you're looking down at a piece of paper, you have a wire going across it, or going straight down, yeah. and you can have another one going across it that doesn't touch it, because it just makes a little bridge right over that one, that wire, and they don't touch. As, as someone who's now studied a, a bit of uh, silicon processing, um, one of the big problems, or one of the issues in processing interconnect is that you have to do it in multiple stages as you build up. And as you do that, you have a number of different metal interfaces. And how you how you do it can affect the quality of the interface between one metal layer to the other layer, even if it's the same metal. And you can have added resistance and non-uniform resistances from one pillar of interconnect to another pillar of interconnect. Making 3D structures in general the way we do it is... is it's a lot of work. It's diff- quite difficult. Yeah, they use a lot of lithography. So that's the other advantage to this, is that this is direct write. That's, wow. the, that's the term for you just print it and it stays right where you put it. Normally, they, they said that you can also do a subtraction technique, which is sort of like casting, where you would have a mold. This is the, the other the application that they talked about doing this for. And, uh, okay, they talked about your, you could also inject it into like micro channels. In a little in a, a medium, and then just dissolve the material around it, and the metal would stay there. So that's one way to do it. But you don't have to. You can uh, just oh, print it directly. Well, it's not extremely strong, but it's yeah, strong enough. About. You could they t- they talk about the potential for uh, encapsulating it in a polymer or ceramic after it's already been printed. Hmm. So it's really cool. You, if you look at the pictures that they have here. They made little standing structures. They have wires crossing each other. They have uh, cubes of balls. So if you've ever yeah. seen the, the magnetic balls that form like a cube. I love those. Yeah. That uh, helped with crystal and green. They, they made that out of this liquid metal. So it's 
It's really it's awesome. It's got a lot of, and then they dissolve the scaffolding around each of the balls. No, they don't. They don't dissolve the scaffolding. They direct. It's this direct right. They don't. Yeah, they're not. They're not no. printing into a into a medium like trenches or anything. They're they're literally just printing enough. in space. Yes, they could do the trenches, but they don't have to. Trenches? I'm talking about just like when they do like two different plastics, casting, and one of them's soluble in water or whatever. And they do, they do that a lot actually. Yeah, they talked about they they are able to do that with this, but they don't have to. I see. They can do use the direct right techniques because it holds really, up well enough. Yep. So it has a lot of applications for things like little micro machines that need to be flexible uh, because it, as it's a because it's a liquid, you can bend it any way, and it's not going to just snap after a few bends back and forth. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So this this oxide though, this oxide is rigid. Should be right. Should it's be, should be it's crystalline. a little bit rigid. Yeah, it's not crystalline. It's amorphous. It's a, okay, but it's amorphous. But it's if so. Okay, so let's it's say stronger you have than the metal two inside. of these little spheres uh-huh. t- touching each other, and they they bridge a gap. And around the entire thing on the outside, there's this thin shell of this oxide. Right? Yes. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold one sphere steady, and I'm going to try and rotate the other sphere around the first one. I'm going to be destroying that oxide. Yeah, I'm going but to be cracking reforms. that oxide. So, as it forms, though, as it reforms, if you're breaking off little parts of it, what if little parts of it get into the sphere of the liquid? Do they re- do they decompose, or do they remain to be They're probably going to oxide? stay oxide. Uh, it's sort of like... They may or may not be soluble. That, yeah, that's it's one probably factor. not soluble in itself. Usually the oxide will stay in oxide. That's why so you question. just break it off. Right. So then what happens is you're gonna have you're gonna have a like failure tolerances with movements of these things relative to each other. Correct. Eventually you're gonna it's use not, up material that was a that was a liquid mixture and it's gonna be turning into little clumps of oxide. A then. little bit, but for the most part it's just gonna bend. Yeah. Because even even the oxide will it'll sure it'll break, but then when you pull it back, it's just going to go right back out to the outside. You're not going to have to do much else. Hmm. Hmm. It's certainly a lot better than a all metal or than a solid metal. Right. But yes, yeah, you're right. It's it is going to break over time. Um, I also I'm kind of curious if the oxide is eutectic also, or if the oxide has an, an off eutectic composition. Is it a gallium oxide, or is it indium oxide, or is it the same gallium-indium eutectic oxide? Because <laughs> that could actually change the properties a little bit, and you might be able to engineer that to make the oxide stronger or weaker depending on the application that you want. Uh, then because it's a liquid, though, I'm also... Uh, uh, I have a little bit of concern about the oxide uh, decomposing at higher temperatures. Most of our electronics, when, when you run a current through anything, yeah, when you run a current through something, it's going to become hot. And for the liquid itself, that's not going to matter because it's already liquid. It's not going to flow away. Um, but if it breaks the oxide, then that that makes that could be bad. Well, if you're making a circuit, chances are this something like this would be used for interconnect exclusively. I would imagine. Possibly, but you might be—you might want to print an entire uh, flexible circuit out of this. Could you make 
transistors with these. Oh, you're right. That's it, what would, I'm saying. it would be all interconnected. This is all the all the interconnect. Now, the thing is, like, if you've got this, you know, you're you're just about to start your back end of line processing, which means you're just about to start doing the lowest layers of inter- interconnect, which directly touch the P and N regions around the channel, uh-huh. for instance, right? Now, you have a lot of different, like, 3D structures, and you're going to have a template for it, right? So what you'd be doing here is you'd basically just be filling in the gaps with with these structures. It wouldn't be that much different than just depositing material in there that's going to be solid. But a solid material can't bend or move. Yeah, but you but you have a template... You have a template around. Neither can the transistors. You know what I'm saying? The so, transistors can't bend, but if you have, you can put, you can glue little squares that are rigid to a piece of paper and still bend the paper. It just bends at that point. It's still it's still completely flexible. It's just that this little part isn't flexible, so the okay. transistor's not going to bend. So then your entire interconnect, your entire interconnect area would have to. Be, have something between these lines that is also flexible in order for yes, this to Yes, it has be to be on a flexible used. substrate. Right. Yeah. Which there are already lots of those. I mean, we could go back to that very first paper we talked about. You could put this on the speaker and have a flexible circuit on top of a little uh, actuator. Right. On top of that actuator gel, and that would be pretty cool. I'm not so sure what flexible interconnect would do for you, though, if the, if the a most important part of the, the chip is not flexible. All right. If you want to make a flex, a computer that you wear on your arm that wraps around your arm. Yeah. You can't do that with a solid. Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to do it with a chip with. Sure, you would. If if only the interconnect is. If the interconnect is, is flexible. There's it's 99% interconnect and 1% solid devices. Depends on how big the components have to yeah, be. Because like component. a CPU can be pretty small. Look, yeah. Look in. Look. Open your. Any interconnect computer between chip. chips, but open the chips open themselves anything. Yeah. wouldn't be flexible. Open your computer; it's all, it's almost all the green silicon. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. And there's just little transistors. So if yeah, you it's mostly the packaging. Silicon, it wouldn't matter. It's mostly packaging. Um, it's mostly yeah. how you interface between chips. So this right. would be really useful for that. But I'm saying the individual chips themselves would not be flexible. Well, no, that's, no, that's, that's that doesn't it. matter. That I'm doesn't not change the fact that you make flexible things out of it. This is true. I'm not being like, oh, this is not that great. I think this is awesome. I'm just trying to wrap my head around exactly uh, okay, yes. how good it is, you know? Yeah, I don't think you could make a transistor out of it. Not with silicon. No. You'd have to use other but you'd materials, make... and there, those are a ways down the road. But it's still pretty neat. And it's 3D printed, so you can just make any shape without having to do a complicated... Right now, the way we make the interconnects is... Super complicated etching <laughs> process that uses yeah. a lot of like really dangerous chemicals. If you could just 3D print, even if you could 3D print at an elevated temperature and let things cool down to room temperature, just to print circuit boards, that would be huge. Mm. What if you could print it at room temperature, but also print it with plastic so that you get the plastic, say the metal embedded in plastic? There you go. Yeah, that That's would work because this is right now printed at room temperature. There's no heater involved. You have to design. So one big thing in, in in processing is not so much can we do it or how hard is it to do, but how much of it can we do at once? There you go. Because yeah. speed is speed is is 
almost everything when it comes down to whether or not you can manufacture a chip that's going to turn a profit. Yeah. Um, you know, one way for an hour is not going to work. One way for an hour versus 200 wafers an hour. You know, the it's if you make 200 wafers an hour to turn a profit, if you have a problem or you want to introduce a step which would make some other aspect of it cheaper, yet it reduces your speed to 150 wafers an hour, let's say, you might not do that step. You might just leave it complicated and problematic because the loss of 50 wafers per hour cuts your profits more than the amount you save by by fixing it. So yeah. once you once you actually get the ability to do that, yeah. One other big uh, factor though is especially with flexible electronics, the key phrase to listen for is roll-to-roll processing. Roll-to-roll What does that mean? Yeah. Like, can you print it out like a newspaper, or do you have to put it in an oven like a batch okay. kind of production process? I think this could be printed like a newspaper. I mean, I don't know about that, because, because if you look at the way our, the, the 3D printers work, we make plastic things out of They place one thing at a time. Yeah, you can you make can a printer print that does a lot of them at once that has, like, you know... If you, oh, want to print, right. if you want to print interconnect on a chip or something like this, you need thousands, literally thousands of individual print heads. Yeah. And they all need to organize around each other and not get in each other's way. Just by having so many of them, the amount of time you – so you would no, there's, have a – it would be like a solving a puzzle of which one's moving, which places at what There's 3D times. printers. It's the same way how your, your paper printer works. There are 3D printers yeah. now with 128 nozzles all in a row, and all it does That's is – That's what I say. This. Oh, I see. It yeah, just goes talking about roll to roll. Yeah, yeah it goes across the page once. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's, that's I, obviously. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I say printing like that, I mean printing roll to roll. Because 3D printing, that's a whole other ball game because you don't care about making continuing batches quick enough to make money. You're trying to do one prototype and have it be done way faster than you would be if you made the prototype from scratch without a printer. Yeah, right. That's all. That's a whole other. I ball. think this is this is almost a combination of the two of those though. Because you can do that flat printing, but you can also do 3D structures. You just lift yeah. up the print no- the nozzle, the yeah. print head. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. ways to do it. Yeah. Super neat. That's really cool. What we could do is we could have a, a printer that makes little machines, things like this, and then the machines get together and make a bigger printer that prints the same way. <laughs> there you and then go. It makes it's like the RepRap. More of those machines that makes an even bigger one. <laughs> do it again. Alex, when Skynet takes over, I'm blaming you. <laughs> Please do. Or we'll, I want we'll, all the credit for Skynet. We'll just <laughs> ask... <laughs> wrong answer, wrong answer. We'll oh, ask a deep thought about that. Huh? Deep thought. Computer in Hitchhiker's Guide. Deep thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We designed... Just designed a bigger computer. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. have the answer. We need a computer to figure out what the question is so we yeah. know what the answer means. <laughs> Oh, actually, that was an Isaac Asimov short story. I think it was called The Last Question. Or basically every little segment of it was uh, some human asking the biggest computer available if it could uh, reverse entropy and, you know, stop the heat of the universe from happening. Don't spoil that one. Everybody go out and read uh, the Isaac Asimov story. The Last Question? Is that what it's titled? I don't think it was called The Last Question. I'm looking it up right now. Don't spoil it. I want to read it. The basic part that isn't really a spoiler is that every time that question gets asked, uh, the computer tries to says, "Oh, wait, I don't have enough computing power to do this. I'm going to design an upgraded version of myself." And then you ask the upgraded version. The upgraded version has to do it. 
again. So everybody go out and ask the last question. <laughs> yeah, the last it's a, question. It, it's a really good story about the second law of thermodynamics. Yeah. The ending is the best. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. You have to read. It's not very long. It's very short. It's online for free. We'll post a link to it in the show notes. I think we'll be 3D printing entire buildings. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I, I know we've some been, people are working been about that for a while, especially emergency shelters, because that's you know a pretty killer app. Yeah. yeah, there are 3D print. There are concrete 3D printers right yeah. now, uh, and all they are they're just wow. big enough that they can just print the walls and go back. And, yeah, yeah, it's really really. Cool One thing stuff. I was thinking is like right now a 3D printer is I don't, maybe we talked about it about this, I don't remember, but uh. 3D printer is a box, and you have in the box you have these rail systems that go and place things in places. What if we could invert that so that we don't have we're not building something inside a box where we define the parameters as being regions inside the box, but rather you have these sort of like nodes that you set up. You have a node in certain places you put them anywhere, and then they calibrate based off of where they are. And then you have these little machines that can go to the nodes to gather material and then go back and place materials. So you have a swarm Whoa, of these tiny machines that like can go and... Ants? And you would have little like, robotic ants? Like little robotic ants that are, robotic that construction are just workers. going back yeah. and forth mm-hmm. from node to node, a gathering much. material and placing stuff. You could build an entire building as one solid piece, not just the parts of the building, and then assemble it. You could literally just set up these nodes around where you want the building to be, and then these things would swarm and erect the building yeah. piece by piece. There are, uh, that's sort of how... Would it be cheaper to have man-sized construction robots? <laughs> well, they wouldn't be able to... Man-sized construction robots wouldn't be able to place um, such small pieces with yeah, such like precision. Pipes and that kind of thing. Be able to place big... Yeah, yeah. I say teamwork. Both yeah, yeah, teamwork. You'd literally... You'd want to be able to build it like like particle by particle, essentially, so that you can you can literally have any structure imaginable. And it, when we, if we started doing that, our buildings probably wouldn't look like... They wouldn't be squares anymore. You probably have all sorts of wacky organic shapes and like crazy things that we can't really do with like wood beams and steel beams and yeah, know. it'd be pretty cool. We'd start to look like 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 uh kind of like the architecture of the like H.R. Geiger architecture, like the engineers in Prometheus. So <laughs> phallic <laughs> symbols <laughs> everywhere. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, we are pretty obsessed with it. So yeah, all right. We do that anyway without with steels and beam with steel beams and wood. That's why that's why Geiger's art depicts a hypersexual like like futuristic realities because like the idea that mich- that us transforming into synthetic life would stop being obsessed with sex just doesn't make any sense. Like that's why I think that's that's my interpretation hmm. of why he his imagination creates such an alien version of ourselves that is still basically what we are right now ultimately. <laughs> you know, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Alright. So, anyway. 3D printers. Thumbs up for 3D printers and 3D printed metals. And here, so here in the, in the paper, they actually have a little picture of two LEDs on this gel substrate with this metal interconnect in between them and they're bending it and twisting it and it stays lit the whole time. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think I ever got this link. Could you forward it? Uh, it is attached to the email. Which email? The paper is attached to the email titled Laser Podcast Episode 4. Okay, so I got that one. Oh, you said that. You set up laserpodcast.com? Yes, laserpodcast.com is our website, but we'll get to that. Oh, I didn't scroll down far enough. Okay. Anyway. Okay, well. You guys got to drink. uh, I think this last story is kind of. It might have been a little bit 
dampened because of the depressing conversation we had beforehand. But yeah. uh, 3D printers are awesome. Yeah. And stretchable, transparent ionic conductors are awesome. They are. And the government is uh, not so awesome. They're not awesome. Not no. And it doesn't get better in other countries either. It's no better in Canada. Because everyone is human. Thanks for listening. This has been Let's Agree Science and Engineering Are Rad, or Laser and the Material Science Podcast. Show notes are on the website at laserpodcast.com, or you can send us an email at contact at laserpodcast.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at laserpodcast, or on Facebook and Google+. Leave a rating or download more episodes on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, or just from the website at laserpodcast.com. Our intro music is Open from Crying, and our outro music is Dreams Are Maps from the Wild.